Hey friends, can't wait till Wednesdays to get your Modern Mamas fixed. Join us on Patreon. You can choose your tier and when you subscribe, you'll get bonus content, early access to retreat, first peeks at new swag, plus shout outs and even real time monthly virtual hangs with us. Visit patreon.com forward slash modern mamas podcast to check it out and support the podcast. It truly means the world to us. We are so grateful for you and for this community. I love mama. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Modern Mamas podcast. We are two modern mamas here to inspire empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, open minds, and joy, no matter your journey or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder and Indy Bow. I love outdoor adventure, good food, especially sourdough, and mindful movement. And I'm Jess of Hold the Space Wellness. I am a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. I love food, trying new things, creating art and being a perpetual learner. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. This is a an episode that I have just been dying to record for quite some time now. It is very, very, very applicable to my particular stage of parenting, but we are recording with Mary Flo Ridley from Birds and Bees. Mary, do you go by Mary Flo or Mary? I go by Mary Flo. Mary Flo, welcome yes. to our podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We are so excited. I'm going to read your bio real quick for our listeners who may not be familiar with y'all and what you do. And then I feel like we've got about 45 minutes to an hour and I want to dive right into this topic because we're going to be chatting about how to have conversations with your children about sex, about intimacy. And within that realm, there's going to be so much nuance. And I just feel like I want to open up all of our time to really dive in. So let me introduce you to our people. So the Birds and Bees founder, Mary Flo Ridley, has been passionately sharing this message all over the world for 30 years. Mary Flo and her husband, Dave, have been married for 40 years. They have three married children and eight grandchildren. After growing up in El Paso, Mary Flo graduated from SNU. Oh, so fun. We're, I'm a Texas gal too, which we connected about a little bit beforehand. <laughs> she loves playing with her grandchildren, baking and traveling. And then you also have a partner who does this work with you, Megan Mike- Michelson. Megan uh, Michelson. Okay, nailed it. She joined Mary Flo at Birds and Bees almost six years ago to help bring this message to a new generation of parents. Megan was born and raised in Dallas, Texas, and graduated from Baylor University. Before diving into the world of sex education, Megan was a middle school teacher. She and her husband, Blake, have been married for 12 years and have three young kids. She's in the trenches of motherhood. So happy and so tired, and I can 100% relate. <laughs> but we're, we have one half of the dynamic duo here today, and I'm just really, really, really excited to chat with you. Well, Jess, thank you so much for inviting us. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. You know, and I actually came upon y'all because I had done a call for our listeners and I had said, this is a topic we want to explore. We don't know where to start. Do you guys have any guests or people that you follow on this topic that you would love to hear from? And you came up several times. And so I'm just thrilled that we get to have you on the podcast to talk about this. So I'm just so appreciative. And also just a, a warning to our listeners out there. 
recovering from a little bit of a cold here. And so if it sounds a little nasally and drippy, that is what's happening. Also, our neighbors decided that they were going to hire a wood chipper and chip all their wood right next door. So hopefully you can, you, y'all can't hear that. Can you hear that, Mary Flo? I cannot hear that, okay. but you probably hear things because someone is also hammering next door. So. <laughs> I can't hear anything on your end. And I'm okay. really glad you can't hear the wood chipper because it is <laughs> kind of just obnoxious. So, okay. After setting all those, so setting all that expectation, I want to we kind of reintroduce the topic a little bit. Now, this is something, if you're listening with kiddos, you know, I'm sure we'll kind of get into this as well. But if you're listening to this episode with kiddos in the background, you know, we're going to be talking about some, you know, information that as a parent, and again, this is part of what we'll be deciding is like how to expose our children to these conversations and when's appropriate and, you know, the words to use and all of that. But just want to kind of throw that disclaimer out there. You might want to pop your earbuds in if you're not quite ready to, to broach the subject yet. But we are going to be talking about how to navigate those age appropriate conversations with your children about sex and intimacy. And I was talking with you, Mary Flo, beforehand that, you know, as a mom of a nine year old son who is in a classroom with older kiddos, and then also a six-year-old daughter who is in a similar classroom setup, you know, this has become increasingly relevant for me. And as I know, a lot of our listeners are on the same kind of motherhood path as, as I am. I know it's probably really, really increasingly in the forefront of their minds as well. We are having personally a lot of questions. I have a very perceptive nine-year-old and just a lot of questions around sex, the body, reproduction, like how does that work? relationships because it, I mean, it seems to be overnight at this age where it's like, they come home and they're like, I like someone, I have a crush on someone. And you know, as a nine-year-old, it's like, that's a very limited interpretation of what that means. But like that, those things are, those conversations are, are definitely happening, all happening already. And I just really want to both empower myself and our listeners to feel comfortable enough to have those conversations in a way that feels authentic and, and right and, you know, all, all of those words. So I'm really, really pumped. Before we <laughs> dive in, I would love to hear a little bit more about you, how you kind of got to this point, you know, doing what you're doing, why you're passionate about it, and, and more about your story. So if you, if you, you can go as deep as you want to, tell us how you got here. I know, really, I did not think when I was a little girl that I would grow up and teach parents how to talk to their kids about sex. In <laughs> fact, I, I grew up in a family, a lovely family, but we never, this topic never came up ever. Like if something rhymed with the word sex, my parents would not say it. So <laughs> they were very loving, responsible parents. And, but I grew up with no information about this. And so when I was a young mother, so this is 1986, maybe before you were even born. I was three. Okay. You were three. <laughs> yeah, okay. You three. were just exactly my, <laughs> I had a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Okay. And Two things were happening at the same time. My children were starting to say, Mommy, how is that baby getting out of there when I was expecting my third? So I was getting questions and I thought, well, I know the answer, but can I tell you? Because yeah. I don't know if I can tell you. And then, and I certainly don't know how to tell you. But then at the same time, I was a volunteer with the Dallas Junior League and I was a trainer. I had been a high school teacher, so I love to teach. And I was a trainer for them. And that year, the topic 
that they wanted training about was, will someone teach us how to talk to our kids about sex? And mm-hmm. so the chairman of the training committee, this is, I know that the story won't be as long as it's now sounding going back to 1986, but this is how, <laughs> this is the genesis. You take as long as you want. <laughs> this is how it all starts. This is how strange sometimes your life work comes mm-hmm. about. And so when the topic came up, it came out of a little suggestion box and it was a little wadded up piece of paper. And and she said, we are going to, we have been avoiding this for five years, but we're going to do it this year. So one of you is going to take this topic. And so I thought in my mind, I didn't say anything. I just thought, well, it will not be me. It will, <laughs> that would never be me. And so it went around the table. Nobody took it. And the uh, chairman picked up the paper and pointed it at me. And she said, Mary Flo, I think this is for you. And I said, you just don't know how wrong you are. <laughs> and so she said, but what you do don't know is that we will send you to Washington, D.C., and you will get trained. Well, I was a mother of a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and all I heard was room service. So (laughs) I I said, oh, I didn't know travel was involved. Okay, I'll give it a try. So I went to D.C., and I went to this conference. I don't even remember who was in charge of it, but I remember thinking, I would never do it like this. Like, this doesn't seem, I'm not comfortable with how this is all coming across. And but it it gave me a time away to kind of focus on but what do I want to do? What are, what would I like how would I like this to look? If I don't like this approach, what approach would I like? And so after listening to these speakers who were basically saying talking about the the physical and psychological dangers of an early sexual debut was what they were talking about. I thought, well, I, I just want to know how to answer the question, how's that baby getting out? <laughs> and so I I came back home and I said, you know what, you've paid for a lovely trip for me and I owe you a I owe you a seminar. If you will give me six months, I'm going to research this and think about it. And I'll I'll come back to you, but I, I can't give what I learned. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's it's I'm not comfortable with it. So they said, okay. So in those six months, I just did a lot of research talked to a lot of child counselors, a lot of people who work with children, elementary counselors, middle school teachers. You know, I just, I was really fun at parties because I would say, (laughs) hi, so let me ask you something. Did your parents talk to you about sex? And if so, what did they say? And how effective was that? (laughs) I think that's a lovely conversation starter. (laughs) It really is. You can't believe what people will tell you. And I just sort of walked around with a pencil and was writing down everything I heard. And, and in that, in those six months, I realized there really wasn't anything out there for what I wanted this to be. And what I wanted it to be was to abandon the idea of the talk. There's just too much that we need to say mm-hmm. that waiting for that awkward conversation at the most awkward age is just like a double whammy of not, not going to work. Mm-hmm. And so I, I early on, I realized, okay, the talk is ineffective and is so dreaded that nobody's going to, you know, nobody has any good things to say about the talk. Mm-hmm. So let's just walk away from that. But let's start to meet children where they are in their curiosity. And that's when they are very young. That's when they're learning about their bodies. They're learning about babies, how babies are made, how babies are born. They have all this curiosity at that age, but we kind of, you know, I'll tell you later or, or just, you know, walk the, walk in a different direction or ask them if they want a cookie or something. So we avoid it. And I thought, okay, what would it look like 
if we deconstructed the talk and and started constructing it at a very early age. And so that got me very excited because I thought this might work. So I broke it up into different pieces, but the, and that, so anyway, that's how all of this got started. So I gave that, the talk, the talk, well, I gave this (laughs) workshop. The talk on the talk. The the talk on the talk. The talk how not to have the talk to this group, thinking that would be the one and only time that I would do it. But it was really life-changing for our family and people found it kind of life-changing for their families. And so it grew into a pretty popular talk in the Dallas area and then throughout Texas. I've spoken in San Antonio many times and Megan, I think, speaks there a lot now too. And then it just grew and grew kind of organically. And so we travel a lot and speak in a lot of places, but then the pandemic hit Mm -hmm. and Thankfully, we had just in November of 2019 recorded the whole thing because we were starting to be invited to places we couldn't possibly go like New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And so we recorded the whole program, the whole curriculum, and it was ready to go when the pandemic hit. And so now we are really an online course instead of an in-person course, although we still do in-person courses. So that's that's how it started. And all throughout those years, I got the opportunity to meet so many parents and get all of their questions and think through those answers. And so now it's really for parents. It's a class that is for parents of preschoolers to preteens. So you are definitely my target audience. Oh, yes. You have a preschooler, right? You also have a younger child. She's six. So she's in she's first six. grade, but first she's, grade. yes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then, but you're, you're just right there. You're just right. right. You know, there's not like a one. It's not like age. the top. When yes. you, yeah, it's not just one age. It's just, it's more of an environment right. that you set up. So that's. Oh, I, I'm just so excited to hear your story. And I think it's just so cool how you were able to transition to that online offering, like right when it was necessary and needed. And I, I bought y'all's course during the Black Friday sale. I was so excited because I, and I didn't even like, it wasn't my intention, but I was doing a little bit of research. I like to kind of like poke around to do some research before I record. And it just so happened to be on the last day. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to get it. So I have it. I just need to sit down and kind of work through it. And it looks so approachable just from like looking at the course modules and the time commitment. So approachable, so digestible. So I I know like I could get through it, you know, in a very reasonable amount of time. And, you know, after this episode, I'm sure I'll feel a lot more empowered to have those conversations, (laughs) but I'm I'm really looking forward to deep diving into that course as well. So I would encourage everyone to kind of follow up after if you were like, oh my gosh, this is good information. I want more. Check out that course because I have a feeling it's going to be just, I mean, I know it's going to be life-changing for me, so I can only hope that it would be for anyone listening. Okay. So are you ready to dive into the meat? Because I have a lot of questions that I use to kind of create my outline. And then we had some listener questions. And so I'm ready to go. Are you? Of course. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Yes. So one of the things that I was coming across when I was on y'all's website is just the prominence of a lot of the statistics that you are offering as just information, I think education about why this is such an important like topic for parents to feel like empowered about. And I would love for you to hear just in your, in your words, like, why do you think based on all of the research that you've done and all the information that you know, that it's so important to become educated on how to talk 
to our kids about sex and intimacy? Are there any like statistics or information that stand out to you that, because again, like back when I was a kid, the access that I had to information, the internet, pictures, et cetera, et cetera, was wildly different to the access that our kids and our kids' peers have at this age. And so I would love for you to share kind of some of that information and that might kind of, I think, be a little bit mind-blowing to parents right now. Well, probably one of the most mind-blowing statistics is the fact that the average age for a first viewing of pornography is age 11. That's the average. So that means that there are a lot of children younger than that. Now, Mm -hmm. most of the time, not most of the time, but a good deal of the time, at least half the time, this is something that kids stumble on. They're looking, they, they, they're doing a report about chickens mm-hmm. and they, they Google in chicks and what they get is pictures of hot chicks. You know, it's, they're not really looking for it, but they stumble upon it. So just their access. And as you very wisely said, their peers access to an exposure to things that would, are not age appropriate and are not you know, are damaging and degrading. And so that that's not what they were really looking for. Or maybe it, they are curious. They want to know, uh, you know, what do breasts looks like? They just want to know. So they, they they can Google all that. They can ask Siri, Siri, what is sex? You know, they can, they can, they have access to voices and pictures and all of those things that, you know, we, we did not have access to, or they were, uh, the way I like to put it is when, when you were growing up, you had to go find it. Mm-hmm. And now it's finding them. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of coming after them. It's attached to games. It's attached to, it's a, it's it's just in the culture so embedded that it's hard not to, to it's hard to avoid it. Mm-hmm. And so there's an inevitability. Inevitably, your children will see or hear about things that you have no idea what they are. So we can't, the frustration as a parent is you want to just go find the great big plug and unplug the whole thing. Like, let's just get rid of all that. But that's, that's, um, you know, I wish they, someone would, but that's, <laughs> wish that's that was like, an option. <laughs> wish that was an option because I'm not finding that to be an option. Then we have to, you know, instead of cursing the darkness, we have to light a light. Like, okay, if we, if that's not what we want them to know, then we need to really sit down and think about, what is it that I do want them to know about sex if they're growing up in my family? What's the what is the foundational information I want them to have? And I want them to have it from me because I'll know the context in which it was given. Because basically I love them more than anyone else. So I want them to learn about it this way. Now that's going to vary from family to family. And so that's really the first step in the birds and bees strategy is that you as a parent sit down and really think through what is it? What is the main thing that I want my children to know about sex if they're growing up in my family? And that takes some, you know, that takes some time and thought. And so we do have this workbook that comes with the course and it goes through like pages of questions like that you can think about about how you want these conversations to go, what you want the main theme of these conversations to be, what what how did you learn about sex and was that effective or not effective? Was it too silly? Was it full of shame or was there just silence? 
And so you don't have to do it the way you learned it. You can come up with a whole different attitude towards this. Mm -hmm. And with that attitude comes vocabulary, you know, so, so it's a, it's a, let's sit down and think through what is it that I want my children to know about sex that's different from the culture and let's start talking about that. And so once you want to start talking about that, then, then that's when the, the, really the next steps of the course take off. So it's it's a little bit of a philosophical, you know, it's a little bit, yeah. it kind of sounds like a big assignment, but it's a very good thing to walk through. It's kind of like, instead of just letting the culture just wash over our children and push them in a direction that you had no intention of them going, mm-hmm. you're kind of stopping that train and examining what's on it, taking off these pieces, adding these pieces, and then moving towards your children with good information. Hello, lovelies. Jess here to share a limited time offer with you, our lovely listeners. For the next seven days and the next seven days only, you can get 50% off three or more bottles of Paleo Valley Essential C Complex. What? This is not a drill. And let me tell you why we love Paleo Valley Essential C Complex around here. The bennies are unreal, including immune system support, brain health, energy levels, balanced mood, and collagen production support. Have I got your attention yet? And not just any old vitamin C will do. Paleo Valleys goes above and beyond by providing a full spectrum source of vitamin C from whole foods that comes complete with the additional nutrients and minerals that boost the work of vitamin C. This product is a must have for us and 1200 five-star Amazon reviews don't lie either. It's third-party tested and free of all the things you want to avoid in your supplements, which is a huge bonus for me. Head on over to paleovalley.com forward slash modern mamas 50 to stock up on your essential C complex today before it's too late. That's a great answer. And I'm just nodding my head like the whole time. And it's interesting because I was thinking as you're talking about like, it's kind of finding them instead of them finding it. It's like our, our son and I I'm, I'm blessed. And I, I like to kind of share like personal anecdotes as we go through guest you know, interviews, because I feel like it can be helpful for like real life application. But like our son, a very wonderful little school, very tight knit, very close. But you know, and he is one of those kids who's thankfully, and I, I think it's a blessing. He is so honest, almost to the point where you're like, you buddy, <laughs> you, you don't have to be sorry for that. Like, that's not you didn't do anything wrong. But every single day, for all of the school year, he has been coming home and telling us something that he heard, something that he saw accidentally, something he feels guilty about. And so he's a very like right and wrong kind of kid. So, but like it is, it's those things where they're working on a book report and they go and they are Googling, you know, cars or something. I don't, I don't know, for mm-hmm. example. And then they pull up a picture and it's like a hot chick on a car, you know, in like a bikini. And yeah. it's like, in, in our school, they do have like safety perimeters on their searches, but like, you know, not everything is, is flagged as, you know, inappropriate because it's also, it, there's also like some commonplace, like commonality, like that, that image to me doesn't evoke anything wrong because we see it so much. Right. But like to a nine-year-old, he's like, Whoa, this girl is, looks different than any girl I've ever seen in a bikini. Like, you know, it's it's, it's a different type of image. And I think it kind of stops them in their tracks a little bit. And so we're dealing with a lot of that. Right. And it's like, that's, what's evoking a lot of the questions. And, and from, 
from his perspective as a nine-year-old, it's like, we've never shamed him for that. Like we want him to, we, we've always told him like, you can ask us anything. If we don't know the answer. We'll try and figure it out and then we'll get back to you. And so luckily he feels very comfortable about that. But it's well, I just, think that, first of all, that's really good parenting. Oh, thank you. I need to hear that today. Be, no. Well, because really the dark things start to happen when they don't talk to you. And so that's when that it gets it becomes secretive and they're and they are that that's when trouble starts. So really the fact that he comes to you and talks to you and encouraging your children to come and tell you anything that they won't be in trouble for telling you anything is is huge a huge part of keeping the, this open communication. And that's a constant message in our in our household. And again, to just reiterate the, like the presence of that, it's also like, you know, he's playing a video game, Zelda, right? It's like a very, very age appropriate video game, but like some of the characters are women in like crop tops. (laughs) He's like, Mm -hmm. is this wrong? This is, I could see their belly button. I'm like, Oh Lord. Like, it's like, I don't want to throw the whole game out because it's a fun, like little fantasy world building game that's not violent or any of that, but it's like he is affected by it. So it's like all these things that you think are harmless, but are still it's very subtle. It's very subtle, so subtle. And it's it's like mind blowing because if I wasn't paying attention and he wasn't telling me, I wonder what else he would have been ex- would be exposed to if we weren't mm-hmm. like, you know, communicating like that. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yes. Oh my goodness. It is. It's a bit overwhelming, but I know we're just scratching the ice tip of the iceberg here. So with all this knowledge and information that like our kids are getting exposed earlier and more often than maybe we like had imagined, I know this topic for some parents can be like, whoa, like my kid is four, like sex is an adult topic. I'm not really sure about like bringing this up. And some people, some of my friends have said, well, I don't want to bring it up because what if they were not thinking about it? And like, now they are thinking about it and now it's a problem. But I know we've mentioned, you know, we've said the word sex, but within this realm of like having these conversations, I feel like there's other things that are integrated in that. So like, aside from sexual intercourse, it's like your body and body changes and physical attraction and intimacy that aside from like that sexual aspect and relationships like there there are a lot of topics within this topics topic i feel like what is that am i off base there or is that is that true you're you're exactly right and the thing is is that especially with birds and bees we are like the last thing i ever wanted to do was over sexualize my child mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so we don't start with sex that's where we're going to land mm-hmm. but we're not that we're we're going to get there eventually, but really the steps in the birds and bees strategy is once again to start with your message. That was what I was talking about in my last answer. What is the message you want your children to have about sex? And after that, we're just starting with vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Like you're doing vocabulary when you're potty training. So the words you're using to identify them or, you know, it's penis and vagina. Mm -hmm. So instead of using those words with silliness or with shame, you're using it like a pediatrician would. Mm -hmm. You're just identifying their body parts in a very calm fashion, very matter of fact tone. And, but when we use wingy wangy words, we're, we're causing silliness Mm -hmm. about our bodies and not 
being quite as respectful to these special parts of our bodies. So at the birds and the bees, we we start early with using medically correct vocabulary because that also does one other thing. It kind of sets us up as a scientific person or as a person who knows what they're talking about, a kind of a loving authority on this topic. Mm-hmm. So those are that's that's a baby step. It wasn't a baby step for me. I I was mortified to think I was going to use those words <laughs> to my children. So I, I'm I'm being very honest about that. Mm-hmm. So because I would blush to read those words, and I thought I I don't want to use those words around my small children. But then I thought, but that means there must be something wrong with them, and there's nothing wrong with them. But my southern upbringing also was so I, I did it kind of you know, double ways. When we would be out in public, we would use the word privates, mm-hmm. but at home we would use penis and vagina. Mm-hmm. So the, the, there was a privacy to that area that was also covered by a word of privacy. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So we cover those parts of our body up there and we talk about really it's for child safety. We identify those words. We talk about how these, these parts of our body are private. Nobody else touches them or, or looks at them. And, or take these days you also have to add or takes pictures of them and you don't touch other people's and this is this is just part of respect for one another's bodies we we you know it would be very inappropriate for someone to do that and if if that ever happens please let me know and so it's it's in a matter of fact not scary not silly tone that we want to at at the very beginning just start with the right vocabulary because someday you're going to have to use them so you might as well use them from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it comes up a lot, you know, bath time and potty training and whatnot. And if you haven't told them, you might want to just inform them. You know, there are words that that I have not used and I'm we're going to start using them because they're the they're the actually correct words mm-hmm. of these body parts. So starts with vocabulary and then also conversations like I was saying before about birth. Mm-hmm. Children, even though we know concept, you're, you're, we're talking about sex, but we're also when children are little talking about conception and birth. Mm-hmm. And even though we know conception comes first, the next step for us is really following a child's curiosity. And mm-hmm. usually they're curious about birth and then curious about conception. So how did that baby get out of there is the big question. And for <laughs> that, you're going to have a lot of vocabulary. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to dazzle them with birth canal and you know, (laughs) cesarean section and Mm -hmm. you get to tell. So we give you the whole dialogue for that, but it's, but it informs your child that these, there are functions that are, there are, there are things that your body is, was made to do. Mm -hmm. And so this is what happens and this is how birth happens. And once again, that elevates you in their eyes as a loving expert on this topic. Mm -hmm. And so there are those conversations. And then what you were just saying about reproduction, there's this whole world of seeds and eggs that I think is so fascinating to children. And so we go into the realm of seeds and eggs a lot because it it's something that's in their world that they can relate to. So instead of going straight to the garbage disposal with the core of the apple, open that core up and look at the seeds and say, can you believe deep inside of this apple is part of what it takes to make the next apple tree. Like this little seed has all the information to make a new apple. That's just pretty amazing. And and so you just become observant and 
and interested in seeds and eggs. Maybe you open an avocado and you think, oh my goodness, it's a little thing, but it has such a big seed. And then you open a big watermelon and it has little seeds. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just to be fascinated with that and point that out because our children aren't growing up for the most part on farms. Mm -hmm. They're not seeing the seed being planted and the plant growing and they don't, they're missing the whole process. They think that you just go to the grocery store and get strawberries, Mm -hmm. but we want them to see the whole process of how one thing, how something is made. And that is the reproduction process. So once they know that reproduction process, then that can lead to, well, how does a new person get made? And so that's, when we talk about conception. So we get, it's a long way. It's a lot of little conversations about their bodies, body parts, seeds and eggs, birth, all of these things that are laying a foundation for, well, how did that baby get in there? And, and that is, you know, then you also have, you, you, you've already had several conversations. So once again, just putting aside the idea of the talk and instead having a family where we just talk about these things and we're interested in these things and we get to share our values about those things. Oh, I love that so much. And I, I feel like, and again, I've done not, not everything perfectly, but I also feel like we have somehow stumbled into kind of doing some of that naturally. Thank goodness. And we've had lots and lots of conversations and I was, I was a farm kid. Okay. Well, I grew grew up on a farm. I know. And so I got to see, you know, I think of all the baby animals that I got to see birthed and grow from like, you know, nothing to like a big, you know, farm animal, particularly goats. I have a a love affair with goats, but Um, you know, so that, that for me, my parents never had the quote unquote talk with me though. It was, it's like, you know, I had a little bit, yeah, Mm -hmm. I had a little bit of something, but not a whole lot of that like direct conversation about what was happening. And like, I think about our kids who had, we had a cat that we rescued and when we rescued her, she was pregnant. And that was such a cool experience. It was just last year. So they weren't much younger than they are now, but it was like, well, how, like, how did she get pregnant? Like, what's going to happen when she has the baby? It's like, is she going to be okay? And like, how does, how Mm -hmm. do four kittens come out of her? So a lot of those, you know, and hopefully we, explained it as best we could at that time. But it also reminds me of something I heard. And I don't know if this is really accurate or not. Maybe you can confirm. But something that I read was that you want to be that person to to like be the expert, like you said, that like loving expert, because whoever kind of starts to introduce that conversation to them first, whether it be school friend or the school itself or a family friend or whoever, the kids will start to kind of gravitate toward as the expert and Mm -hmm. seek out more information from whoever kind of like introduced that topic. And it's like, I've always had that in the back of my mind. Like, I don't want, I want to be the resource for that as however uncomfortable it initially made me like my desire to be that person for my Mm -hmm. kids overrode like any of that, like discomfort. Is that like a, have you seen that like in any literature or is that just kind of like an anecdotal like thing? Well, no, no, I think it's, you're absolutely right. I I, I can't quote a, an exact statistic Mm -hmm. for you, but, but it is very true that really you go to the people that, that know about it. Mm -hmm. And so we want to give parents, there's a power in the first impression. Mm -hmm. And so if in your family, this is 
an unspoken topic, you're going to find a, someone else who knows about this. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's an older child in the classroom. Or it, this was a huge revelation for me. It wasn't like my child was six years old and there were other six-year-olds in her classroom, but she was a firstborn. Mm -hmm. And her the other children in her classroom were not all firstborns. Mm -hmm. And so there was there was a child in her class that was the youngest of six and had a 16-year-old brother. Mm -hmm. So that child was growing up in a 16-year-old world, whereas my child was growing up in a six-year-old world. There was nothing in her world that was beyond the horizon of six years old. There wasn't anything to read or watch or, or participate in. But in her friend's world, she was the baby. She was just being pulled along into a 16-year-old world. Mm -hmm. And so she didn't know other six-year-olds didn't know what she knew. And so she was sharing a lot of information at school that she didn't know was not age-appropriate. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. for her, it was age-appropriate. Right. And so that that was really the first time I thought, okay, this, this child is going to become in charge of this topic for my daughter if I don't if I don't start speaking into this. I love that. And it kind of transitioned. I mean, I don't love that, but I, I understand that. And I think it's an important like conversation to kind of have, because I never thought about that until now. And especially with our daughter who is six with my son, you know, we're very, we spend a lot of time together as a family and like, we're having these conversations, you know, for better or worse, like together. And so it's some of the questions that he's asking, like, she's also being exposed to the answer. And so it, it makes for not all, not all, but all the time, but you know, sometimes yes. And so it, I never thought about that. Like what, what he's learning at nine, she's getting glimpses of at six that he never had. And so and that, that, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, go Isn't ahead. Isn't it true? Like the things that you let your, let's say you have three kids mm -hmm. and what you are letting your youngest watch or do or attend, your firstborn would never have done right. that. Right. Like oh. you were just following all the rules. And and we totally. do tell parents, you know, this, you have to take into account. Sometimes your nine-year-old is going to ask a question and you think, I really don't want my six-year-old to hear all of this answer. And so we encourage parents to answer as if you're answering it to the six-year-old, answer it on a six-year-old level, and then circle back with the nine-year-old and say, you know what, there's another aspect to this that your younger sister just wasn't quite, you know, there's no need for her to know this yet. Mm -hmm. And so there's kind of, you're doing this little dance where you're not saying, shh, go, we can't talk about yeah. this because your sister's here, you, but you take into account whose ears are hearing this. And so you answer as, you know, just to be sure that, you know, she doesn't need this part of the information, but yeah. you definitely do. So when I tuck you in tonight, I'm going to just add a little bit more to what right. I was telling you. I love that. And and that kind of leads me into the next question that I had planned, which was like, what age can we start expecting to have these conversations with, with our kiddos? And how can we tailor our response to that age appropriate communication? I feel like you've hit on that a lot. But an example of maybe like transitioning that vocabulary, you know, as a four year old, you had mentioned like, the seeds and, you know, the eggs and all of that. And then like, so do you kind of just build off that language as they go along and start having, I guess, more just different vocabulary? Is that how it starts? You, you had mentioned also like for the ages of like four to like preteen. 
um, yes. for these conversations like, to be had. Really, we have parents who take this course who have a two-year-old mm-hmm. and because they're changing their diaper or what what words do I use? Whatever. But they're they're giving themselves a lot of running room to to think about, okay, how will I how will these conversations take place? But then we have a lot of parents who are exactly where you are, who are jumping in. Maybe they've never said anything. You've obviously covered a lot of information, but there it's never too late, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. I would say because this is like, we call it the drip, drip, drip. Mm-hmm. We, we encourage parents to see a sponge in the mind of their child. It doesn't sound like I'm answering your question, but I am. So if you, if you kind of picture a seed I mean, a seed, a sponge in the mind of your child, and you label that sponge curiosity about sexual things. They're just born curious. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself who's going to, a couple of questions, who will fill that sponge, first of all, mm-hmm. and whatever fills that sponge, kind of it stays there. Mm-hmm. And so you want to be the one to fill the sponge. What happens if you don't ever say anything is that that empty sponge goes with them wherever they go. and someone else fills it. And, but if you fill it in your own family, then when they go out into the world, they will hear other messages. They will hear other concepts or they'll hear things that are different from the way you have taught them. And it'll just kind of roll off like a full sponge doesn't absorb it as deeply as it does if there's nothing in there. So that's why we say just start young, but not with the talk with, you know, a whole pitcher full of water in one sitting, but instead sort of a drip, 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 because it is a more easily absorbed that way. So we don't tend to give an age. We just say, wherever you are, start talking. And a lot of parents don't have the joy that you have of having a child that brings something home every day to talk about. They, <laughs> no lack of conversation have, topics have, here. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Instead, they get nothing. Mm -hmm. And so those parents feel a little, I want to address them too, because they may think, well, my child doesn't ask any of this. So I guess I don't talk to them about it. But that is actually leaving your child in charge of this topic. And and we think the parents need to be in charge of this topic. So we encourage parents to move towards them, to initiate conversations. And one phrase that we like to give them is, honey, have you ever wondered exactly how that baby got out or have you ever wondered exactly how that baby got in there because i'd love to tell you about that so to invite them to be a little curious or or give approval to conversations about that mm-hmm. that they may somehow have picked up a vibe that this is this is a no-no that we don't mm-hmm. talk about these things and for your friends who are thinking well i don't want to bring it up because that'll make them curious actually you not bringing them up, I would I would say, I understand that fear. I really do. But the thing is, is that someone else will bring it up mm-hmm. and that person will become the authority in their life or or will start to be that authority in their life. And that you bringing it up, not in a sensual way, like you don't start with intimacy and attraction mm-hmm. and sex. You're starting with basic biology and your values like you're just talking about things that are happening in real life and you're not afraid to approach them about it or or to say if you ever wonder about that I'd love to tell you about that mm-hmm. and so because sometimes children especially particularly usually firstborns 
they just have a sense of propriety where they think, I don't think I'm supposed to talk about this. And that starts to add a layer of shame. We also want to anticipate things, you know, before they go to the dentist, you tell them, okay, we're going to, there's going to be a bright light and you're going to sit in this chair that goes all the way back like a recliner. You're going to open your mouth and Dr. Harrison is going to kind of poke around in there a little bit. But when it's all done, there's a treasure chest and you get to get a prize. And so, and so when they walk in, it's not like, oh, I, mom told me about this. This is how this works. So when we we prepare them for all kinds of things, and it's not because that'll spark an interest, but that will show that we know what's coming in life. You know that we're we're not afraid to approach these topics. Oh, I love this so much. It almost makes me want to like pick up my kids this afternoon and be like, so, <laughs> and just like open it up. But I do, I want to, I want to prepare myself a little bit more. And that leads me to my next conversation or my next question is, so recently, and you know, my son directly asked, what is sex? This was at bedtime and they actually share a room still. We live in a, a pretty tiny home. So it's like, we're putting them both to get to bed. You know, they have bunk beds or whatever. And he asked that. And my reaction was kind of similar to what you you had mentioned. I said, I would love to tell you more about that, but I need to prepare a little bit more so I can answer it like in a, in a good way. And we can have this conversation very soon. And it made me, I thought about it the whole, the whole rest of the night. I was like, did I do the wrong thing? Like I probably messed this up. He probably thinks it's like, you know, I just spiraled about like, quote unquote, missing the mark on that. And maybe you can tell us, that's just one example of how I felt like I missed the mark. And maybe I didn't fully, but how, what are some ways in which we get those questions or we, you know, we don't get those questions that we as parents can quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes here, like miss the mark when it comes to like this, like these conversations. Well, I don't think you missed the mark because you weren't ready for for the answer in that setting. And I think you want to tee it up in a different way. And so it's bedtime. We've we've got other conversations that I'd like to have before we get to that conversation. And so but but like the next morning, you might say you asked me a really great question last night. I'm not ignoring it. And I'm thinking about how we can talk about this so that you can fully understand what I'm going to be explaining to you. But before that, I'd like to know where you heard the word. Because sometimes, you know, we, we, they hear the word and it's, it has to do with what is the sex of your child? Mm-hmm. Well, that's about male and female. That's not yeah. about intercourse. Mm-hmm. So but it's good to know that you're not in trouble. That's not a bad word, but it's a pretty grown up word. So I'd just kind of like to know how did this come up mm-hmm. in your mind? And was, you know, don't put a lot of shame into it, just matter of factly. But also, I think where we can mess up and where we all mess up is in our tone. You know, if you were to have said, don't ask me that, or that's, we don't talk about that, or something in your tone that that would make it seem like, oh my goodness, I'm in trouble. That's a bad word. But for you to, to just postpone it, didn't do that. But but sometimes, and we use this word all the time in birds and bees, circle back. If you feel like you've made, like you just blew it, and we all do that, we all do that, 
they're still living with you, right? There's mm-hmm. you're still their parents. You're gonna be, they're gonna be in your back seat pretty soon and probably <laughs> in your lap. So you just say, you know what, sweetheart, you asked me a really good question the other day, and I just wasn't ready for it. And it surprised me. And I what I was feeling was surprised, but I feel like it came out to you as anger. And I was not angry that you asked me that question. In fact, I'm really glad you asked me that question. It's just that I wasn't expecting it. You know, so circle back, just be, or or you asked me a good question and I gave such an incomplete answer. Mm. If you have a little time, could I give a little more complete answer? Because there's a lot that I left out of that. And so just see this. I think we are so defined by the the idea of the talk and we have it on our parenting list of things to do and we don't want to do it. But when we just even blurt a few words out, we think we've checked it off and we just need to throw that whole idea away. This is a way of life. Like this is a, this is just a back and forth. I come to you with my with information and with maybe even some concerns about a situation, you come to me with questions and 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 you're bring me your curiosity and we're gonna you know we're gonna figure this thing out together. But we're not gonna do it in one day. We're not gonna do it in one conversation. But we are gonna start talking about this. And that's that's what I want to say to parents who are listening who have a twelve year old and the none of this has happened. At this moment, you may feel like, oh my goodness, I have totally blown this. I could have been talking about things all along and I haven't been, but that's not true. What I, what we encourage you to do though, is to, to go ahead and admit, just to say, you know what, guys, there is a topic that has never been put on the table in this family and we're putting it on the table. And it has to do with babies, how babies are made, how babies are born. And that it involves the word sex. It also involves a lot about life that we haven't, we just haven't covered. And I'm, and that's on me that I have not kind of given us all permission to talk about this. So we're not going to start tonight because I know I've already surprised you enough that I'm bringing this up. (laughs) (laughs) But over the next three months, we're going to have conversations about this more intentionally than we ever have before. So get ready, you know, (laughs) start. Start bringing me your questions. If you have a question and you're at school, write it down, bring it home. Let's start talking about this. And then the next thing I would say is don't do it eyeball to eyeball across the kitchen table, but go for a walk. These are shoulder to shoulder conversations. Do it while they're in the back seat of the car or this winter with a fire going in the fireplace or in the fire pit. You know, do it while you're doing other things. Come over here and let's sort these socks and talk about this. You know, don't. Don't do it so intensely that it's that they're squirming. Have you heard of Foria? It's a company that is loved far and wide by folks who've had their sex lives transformed by these holistic, powerful products. And now I see why. They've been especially wonderful through this postpartum period for me when a little extra lubrication is key. Rusty and I have used the Intimacy Sex Oil with CBD and it's the perfect lube to provide all natural moisture with 400 milligrams of broad spectrum CBD to enhance arousal, soothe and excite. We also love the Awaken Arousal Oil. And of course, all four of your products are free of added chemicals and only made from two organically grown ingredients. And you know what's sexy? 
discomfort-free, top-notch, pleasurable intimacy. I want to be totally honest, being married 10 years plus two kids later, sex and intimacy has definitely seen its ups and downs for us, but there's no shame in exploring different ways and products that enhance our sexual experiences, which is why we're so excited to announce we're partnering with Foria, a company using all natural and plant-based ingredients to intensify sexual pleasure and relieve discomfort. We are all about the Awaken Arousal Oil with CBD, which is a topical oil to enhance pleasure, discomfort and help increase sensitivity for people with vulvas that's me you can use it solo or with a partner and it is next level sexy time has definitely leveled up over here plus cbd used topically helps increase blood flow relax muscles and ease tension and manage discomfort gently and naturally all around wins so awesome friends i can't recommend for you enough I think it's time to treat yourself to deeper, fuller pleasure and connection, both on your own and with your partner. And these products are your ticket to all of that. Foria is offering a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com forward slash modern mamas or use code modern mamas at checkout. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com forward slash modern mamas for 20% off your first order. Enjoy. Okay, I needed to hear that because I'm in my mind envisioning, okay, we're going to sit down, even though like we had, you know, my husband and I had talked about it and it was like, well, you know, they, my husband and my son like to go on bike rides and he's like, you know, maybe, you know, cause he's going to take the course with me. He's like, maybe when I, we go on a bike ride the next time we can Perfect. just, we can just chat about it. Cause they chat about all sorts of things when they're riding their bike and it doesn't have to be him. It could be me, but like, I feel like that's a, a cool place where they both feel comfortable, like talking. That's exactly what we're talking about. Okay. And that's good to hear. It gets too intense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's intense for me too. I'm like, right. okay, we're exactly. staring directly at each it. other. <laughs> I, I'm a splotcher. And so mm-hmm. my neck will start splotching. Mm-hmm. Even if my voice is sounding very calm, it's like, oh, no, I can tell somewhere inside <laughs> you're not calm. <laughs> it's giving your body's giving you away. It's giving me away. <laughs> well, I, I, I love this. This conversation has been so incredibly empowering. And I feel like you've answered most of my questions. I do have a few listener questions if you feel comfortable, you know, addressing those. Sure. Okay. So this one we haven't really talked too much about, but it has to do, this particular listener is asking for advice on how to talk to their 11-year-old daughter who just got her period and, you know, how to talk about that and, and in turn empowering her around this experience and her body as a, as a positive thing. Because this was never... I mean, I can speak from personal experience. It was never like fashioned in any positive way. It was just like, ah, the period is horrible. It's terrible. And then when it happened, it was like, oh no. (laughs) So how can we have those conversations with our daughters in, in a different way? Well, I can totally relate to that, to your experience with that. And what we want to do, and we, we actually have a podcast on this topic. Mm-hmm. So you'll get more we'll information if yes. you want to. What we want to do is normalize periods. And to do that, once again, it's your tone. And once again, it's giving them plenty of information. So maybe to back it, not for your friend who has the 11-year-old who's just started her period, and I'll get to that in a second, but for those who have younger children, to to anticipate it. Like this is going to happen. This is how your body changes right now. You're, you know, we, we, you don't remember when you changed from being an infant to a toddler. I remember. Mm -hmm. And then you were a toddler to a child. And then you were 
preschool. You've been through a lot of changes in your life, but there's a really big change coming up and you will be aware of it. And it's changing really. Your body has been preparing for this for a long time and you'll change from being a girl to a woman. And when that happens, there's this thing called the pituitary gland. It sends all the right signals and it it prepares your body to someday conceive and carry a child. And so you have all the parts in there. You don't have to go and get extra parts, but they start to kind of wake up and do their biz- do what they're supposed to do. And so you just talk very scientifically. The lining of your uterus becomes filled with nutrients that would be there in preparation for, for conception, but it can't stay there. Like you have to get, it has to be fresh every month. So those nutrients leave in a kind of a, in a bloody way. And because it's, the nutrients are in the blood. So if you can either sit in one place for the next five to seven days, or you can wear these pads to protect your clothes and to let you run around the house. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's, and so let me show you all the options you, you know, invest to go to CVS and invest in all the options that are available and open them and look at the instructions and, and to, you know, just, just be very matter of fact and, just the way you would hope your pediatrician would explain it to your child and say, so I'm going to put all of this in your restroom. And now that you know what it is, if you start or if you're, or if you have a friend over and they start, it's all here for you. And so don't be afraid when it happens, but let me know, you know, so you kind of tee it up for them. So they don't just one day think, oh my goodness, I'm dying. (laughs) What is this and yeah. why is this happening to me? And you can say, you know, you don't have to say it's the worst thing ever, but you can say, you know, it's uncomfortable. Sometimes you get a headache. Sometimes it makes you feel extra tired. It's a, your body's doing an important thing in there. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's it takes something out of you to do that. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. But so I would just go back and do all that if I was mother of that 11-year-old to say, you know what, there's some things I didn't cover or here's what I want you to know. This is perfectly normal. This is how, this is just body changes. You start to grow hair in other places. There's actually a really good book put out by the American Girl Doll uh, World. And it's called, I have it right here. I'm looking at it. It's called The Care and Keeping of You. And there's volume one, volume two, volume three. But it's all about hygiene and starting your periods and, you know, body odor and shaving legs. It's all those really fun things you love to talk about. But I love that they have that book. And Mm -hmm. then the author of that is Kara Natterston, and she is a pediatrician, but she doesn't have girls. And so Mm -hmm. she thought, you know, I need this book for my sons. Mm -hmm. And so she wrote a book called Guy Stuff. All of these things are on our website as good resources or in the course as good resources. And actually, I think we have a post on our Instagram today about these resources. So it's called Guy Stuff, and it's just the body book for boys. So Mm -hmm. it's the things that are that are changing in their bodies. So I think the main thing is just your tone and then just to not be, just to normalize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And in our house, I know that I know the listener that and asked this question, but it's it's interesting. We I've mentioned we have a small house and we have one bathroom between the four of us. And you know, like my tampons and like pads mm-hmm. and like all my like all that stuff is in there and it's for mm-hmm. you know visible to people. And we've had many it's it's interesting, just many conversations about what are those and why do you exactly. have to use them? And yes. so I feel like that conversation 
again, to us has, you know, we stumbled upon it and we've had many, many iterations. And even with my son, like, he's like, what are these things? I'm like, It's well, important for him to know too. It is. It's very all important. All the things I just said that you would tell a girl, it's important mm-hmm. for him to know. Maybe one of the sweetest things I've ever heard, a woman sent us a story of, she said, I just need to, I don't know who this mother is, but I need to thank her. She said, that her daughter started her period at school and was not aware that it was all over her the backside of her jeans. And she got on the bus and a, a young man came over with, took off his jacket and said, you might want to wrap this around your waist. I have sisters. Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> that is so kind and sweet and I mean, isn't that what we all want? Yeah. That's we want boys that are understanding and sympathetic, that he didn't ridicule her, that he didn't Mm -hmm. ignore her, that he that he knew that was Mm -hmm. what that was, Mm -hmm. and he was protecting her. I mean, there's not one thing about that story I don't love. And so the girl got, you know, so he so that's he helped her. her, Yes, he helped her. And that's because he knew he had a really good mom. Who had said, if you ever see this situation, just know that would be really, that'd be, that'd be challenging because it doesn't always announce itself. Sometimes it surprises girls. So, yes, it makes me want to have more of those conversations. I mean, we do. And I feel like my son, again, I mentioned he's, he's just an interesting kiddo. I feel like he, he might be one of those boys. He could do that. He could do that. That would be within (laughs) the realm of his personality. That's really cool. Okay. And then our last question is, and this, I feel like could be a whole nother episode and perhaps you do, you can point us in a direction of a resource or a podcast that you've already recorded for further discussion. But the idea of when and how do you open up and talk about that quote unquote bad pictures or pornography, because I have I myself have not gone there, but it, it's, you know, we're, we're flirting around that topic right now at the age of nine. And so would love to hear your how you would approach that. Well, we do talk about this in the course, and we think there is a fabulous resource. And so we really point people to this resource. And the first book that came out, the author is Kristen Jensen, okay. and it's called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And and the under, you know, under that it says, porn proofing today's young kids but now the age has dropped so much and your ch- your children have such exposure to things that are online that she wrote another book and it's called good pictures bad pictures junior mm-hmm. a simple plan to protect young minds and so what she really gives you is it w- she walks through the inevitability <laughs> of this and gives kids a plan. If you mm-hmm. see a, a picture, come and tell me. Just because you see a bad picture doesn't make you a bad person. Mm-hmm. The shame and the secretiveness is what we want to avoid. But it, it gives you very good advice. Like just close, you know, walk away. Because if you try to shut you know, shut down the website, sometimes it doesn't let you shut it down mm-hmm. and it takes you to more and more stuff. And so Instead of trying to solve it yourself, walk away and come find a responsible adult. Come tell mom, come tell dad, but but definitely take your eyes away. But it talks about, it just gives you a strategy. And that's what we are all about at the Birds and the Bees is having, is not just to say, we're going to do it perfectly, 
but we're going to not avoid it. We're going to have a strategy for what to do if we encounter this. So, so that's my resource. That's my okay. short answer. And you can, and the good pictures, bad pictures, junior is for as young as five. Okay. We Amazing. just talk about, and, and once again, like I love that Megan, my business partner has young children. Cause she is doing this a lot In real with time. her own family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, She's she's pointed out how important it is not to say, okay, I have something really serious and dark to tell you about. Mm-hmm. It's pornography. No, instead, <laughs> we we approach it the way we do anything else that could be dangerous for our children. You know, sweetheart, this is, okay, here's the iPad. Now, we know that there's some fun games and great shows that we watch on this, but there are also some things that can be pretty dangerous or scary or mm-hmm. very inappropriate. So if you see something, let me know. You know, you're just putting it out there, just like you do with the oven. Okay, guys, I know you're all are playing in the kitchen, but I've got something in the oven. And so when I open it up, back up because it's hot and it could burn you. Uh, we're walking across the street. Let me have a hand. You know, you don't sit down and look them in the eye and say, this is a street. There are trucks here. It could be terrible. You could be smashed. You know, you don't. You just don't go there. Yeah. But, you know, it's a swimming pool. Mommy has to be watching you. Do you have your floaties on? You know, you're... You're always in situations that are potentially dangerous. Mm-hmm. And just introducing the danger of technology is an important thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I feel like I've got my that was that's really like, I think, a great lead into with the especially with the further resources that are going to dive into it. I feel like, oh, there's so much to do, but also I feel very empowered to just go out and start to educate myself. And you have been so incredible with your information and with your time. And I, again, just want to reiterate, it's like, I love just reading like one of your welcome portions of the course was like, you as a family get to decide what your message is, right? Like you're not, you, Mary Flo, are not telling me exactly how I feel about sex or, you know, our family message, but you're empowering me to get very clear about what that is for us, just like we would about any other important, you know, topic or situation in our home, kind of have what's our family values around this. And I mm-hmm. love that, like, mine might be different than my friends, it yes. might be different than my sisters. And, you know, it could be different, you know, there's many shades of how we can approach this, but like, we need to get an understanding around it in order to ha- feel like we're having conversations with our kids about it. And so I just really appreciate that and so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Jess. And I'm glad you pointed that out. I'm just going to say this because that really is one of the core beliefs that we have is that we feel like this needs to be something that's personalized family by family. Because if, if if I were to say, this is what you have to say to your kids, if it doesn't resonate in your heart, then, or it doesn't resonate in, that doesn't sound any, in any way of what would you would say, then you just walk away from the whole course. Mm-hmm. So we try to start with, okay, where do you want this to go? What is the atmosphere you want in your family surrounding this topic? And so we give you some homework, like you're going to have to think about it. But on the other hand, it will definitely be something that you believe in. So yeah, I love that. I appreciate you. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we hop off? Any parting words? Or do you feel like you've you've gotten your message out? You feel good about it? I feel great about it. This is a, <laughs> this is a great conversation. And, and I know you'll point out the resources and where to find us Absolutely. in your notes. So Absolutely. we look forward to meeting your audience again and again. 
Thank you. Absolutely. And just a quick little note, you can find Mary Flo and her business partner at birds. Is it two underscores? Okay. Instagram is birds, two underscores, bees. Okay. And then you have a website, right? And that's birds-bees.com. Okay. Anywhere else that you're active on that we can find you or are those the the birds and the bees podcast, which we are not good like you all it's been a while we're, we're <laughs> we've got to get back on that band it's a big wagon, commitment but... you're doing great yes. no matter what you've got out there i, I mean it's a, it's a lot of work but i'm sure you know megan just... is very Ma- megan is really the the voice and face of birds and bees in instagram and y'all are going to love her we give out a lot of information there and that's free but there's really nothing like the course i the course yeah. really has its soup to nuts and it only takes an hour actually and so and you don't that even have good. to watch it you can just put the earbuds in and mm-hmm. listen to it while you're washing dishes whatever that's on my agenda today <laughs> i can do an hour that is i thought it was going to be even longer than that but Perfect. We talk fast. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you so much again. Thanks for coming on and sharing your wisdom. And we're so thank grateful you, for you. Thanks, okay, Rainflow. Thank you so much. Okay, okay. bye-bye. 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 Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Bye.